morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Men's Mental Health Show. I think we're up to around 88, 89, only about 10 episodes to go before we crack the, the tongue, wow. yeah, which is going to be pretty exciting. So we'll have to have a, a, a big get-together for that, I'm sure, for that show. But uh, I want to say just a, a quick thanks to, to Ron Green, who was on uh, prior, uh, also El Presidente here at the, the station of RBM 89.1. Uh, cheers, mate. It's uh, it's it's great that uh, you continue to show your support, and uh, it's it's good to come on after you, mate. Um, today we've we've got a great show. There's a chap that we've got here today. He's known by the name of John Ellison, and um, uh, Bodie's uh, brought this this chap in. Um, just a, a little bit of background, I guess, and I'll, I'll sort of hand a bit of that over to you as well. We might. I'll tell you what we might do. We might just first of all say good morning to you, Bodie. Yeah, yes, good morning. Um, look, what I'd like to say uh, about John is that um, he's, uh, he's been very prominent in the uh, Blue Mountains uh, community, uh, and in particular um, in Katoomba. Um, he's uh, had roles in council. Um, he... Um, as um, in terms of promoting the city of the arts and that sort of stuff, um, has made uh, very significant contributions to our, our city of the arts and what, and how that might reflect um, the mental health and well-being of, of the citizens. Mm. Um, he, uh, John is an, um, an uh, exhibiting uh, artist, uh, current uh, and in the past, and no doubt in the future. Um, and brings a, um, a, a deft touch to bringing alive the citizenry of the mountains and places uh, that exist here, um, particularly in the Katoomba area. John, um, I, I met John for the first time, really met him um, in a poetry group um, uh, that I'm part of, and I've come to appreciate his enormous erudition and understanding and knowledge of poetry, um, and so I've been sliding on his coattails, sort of absorbing, um, you know, his knowledge. Um, and he's, he's kept a very friendly eye on my efforts at uh, generating some of my own poetry. And um, I've sort of really appreciated that sort of kind of uh, nod to my working effort as I was sort of establishing myself um, in, um, as, uh, as a poet, uh, or claim, some, some claim at, um, to, uh, to being a poet. So um, it's a great pleasure that I've uh, invited John here because... You know he's uh, he's an, um, at, a, at an age where he has acquired a lot of understanding and wisdom about what it is to be in this world, um, what it is to be a man, um, what it is to 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 continue to be alive to the um, the shifts and changes that are happening within our society. And I'm looking forward to uh, um, you know th- throwing John in a little bit. Um, and he said, "I'll follow you, follow your lead." Um, well, I'm hoping <laughs> to follow John's lead, um, but um, you know. We, uh, John has much to um, much that he can reflect on. So the three of us together will generate a conversation and we'll keep jumping in. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for that uh, very eloquent <laughs> introduction. He, he goes all right, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say I have perhaps the two wizards of the mountains here <laughs> in front of me. I hear that you're the original wizard of the Winter Magic Festival. Is that correct, John? Yes, that's right. Well, I started Winter Magic back in 1994 when I was a cultural officer in council. And uh, I thought uh, just as an extra kind of like bit of delight for myself, I should play the part of the wizard. So, uh, I, And I did that for um, most years, for 25 years straight. Wow. Mm, mm. Mm. It's a bit of a disappointment what's happened, of course, in the last three years. Um, and I'm, not, and I'm not sure if it will ever be the same, the Winter Magic Festival. I only got to experience two of them, I guess, in my time since being here, because I tripped over to Perth at one stage. I've been, been up here for eight years. Um, but the last one where I got involved with the station here, we had a stall. It was, it was just mayhem. It was just... It was, a, a terrific day you couldn't move I mean you you probably make five yards in about 30 seconds you know it was so slow mm. but there was just so many characters so colorful such a wonderful scene of art color life yes I think it got spoilt by its own success as many things do um, it became too big for Katoomba Street and uh, to my mind it became somewhat claustrophobic mm. and uh I used to uh, sometimes actually 
um, want to escape uh, yeah. <laughs> on Winter Magic Day after the parade. And uh, I just found it a bit overwhelming myself. Mm. Um, mm. So mm. in the early days when we first started in 94, uh, mm. it was more like a community party. Mm. And it was more like a community event. And then it caught on and people from outside would come and uh, look at the, uh, the freaks in the Blue Mountains. Mm. Uh, that was one of their kind of like uh, mm. ideas that, you know, this is a very freaky show. Mm. And they would not be dressed up. They would not be participating. They're more like voyeurs standing mm. on the sidelines, yeah, yes. you know. Mm. And it lost a lot of its uh, community feeling. Mm. And then with the, uh, the greater onus of uh, the traffic control um, regulations and uh, insurance and so on, uh, it became mm. overwhelming for a community group mm. because we had minimal support all that time from council itself, right. minimal support from tourism. In fact, uh, in the early days, we had active opposition from tourism. Meanwhile, these are the same people that are advertising it and promoting yeah. it to gain benefit from. Yeah. That's right. The, at that stage, though, it was all Yule Fest, uh, which was a kind of like a tourism idea. Right. Yeah. And that is like having Santa Claus twice a year in, in the uh, yes. Blue Mountains, mm. which mm. to me is the most absurd thing I've ever heard of. Mm. But it mm. suited the guest houses, you see. So yeah. tourism liked that. But when Winter Magic first arrived and came on the scene, they were terribly suspicious of it. And... Uh, the, the churches opposed us uh, vigorously. Mm, they, did. They, um, <laughs> they thought it was Satan suddenly appearing on the street. Uh, magic. Uh, they didn't like the idea of magic in any way whatsoever. And I have to say, I played up to that a little bit. And I used to <laughs> did you really enjoy that? I did, I did. Uh, <laughs> there's oh, a little teasing element there, yeah. I must say. <laughs> good on you. Good for you. That's wonderful. I, I, I like to hear that. You've got to have a bit of larrikin about you. you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I've, got, I've got an anecdote. Um, I was in, in the parade. I, wasn't, uh, I was watching, you know, and there's yeah. a lovely group of women who, who were felters. You know, they, uh, they, they weave yeah. that sort of kind of cloth, yeah. call it felt, and they're coming up. And I, was, and I yelled out, I says, any chance I can feel the felt? And a gentleman standing next to me said, I think it's been well felt already, sir. <laughs> and we both felt that. <laughs> a play on language, but a play, yeah, you, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I always was, uh, you know, the, the invitation of a parade is is enjoy yourself, and there's a bit of banter, and you laugh, and you you celebrate what it is to be alive. Yeah. You know? So it's not just an observation of people passing by, yeah. but it's interactional, and, that, and that's and that's what I enjoy the opportunity mm. of uh, allowing an interaction. I was involved with it. That's how I became involved with the radio show with a, with another chap called Andrew, who who's, who has an alter ego of uh, a Buster Chise. He's his name. He's like a a big rap artist or something, right? Buster Chise, and uh, not Buster Chise, Buster Chise. And so he got dressed up, and and I was called Gold Top because I had a gold top hat and I had a gold cane, and I was had my face all gold. And we we had a wonderful time, it was, and we turned up at the radio station stall and. It, it was just, a, it, was, it was such a magic day. So well, at least I can say I was part of something that was pretty special. But yeah. to sit in here today in, in the chat that established the, the Winter Magic Festival was pretty special in itself. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where did, where did you grow up? Where did you, where's, where's life begun? I grew up on the northern beaches. Uh, I was a, a beach boy. Uh, Narrabeen? Uh, Balgala Heights, actually, oh, okay. uh, is where I grew up and I went to Manly Boys High. Okay. Uh, swam down at uh, South Steen. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I was a bit of a, a beach person. Uh, felt a bit displaced when I came to the mountains originally, but I seem to have forgotten about the water somewhat now. Yeah. <laughs> I've just been saying, I feel, to both, I, I think I spoke, I feel I need some salt at the moment. So, <laughs> yes. well, my father's got a place down the coast, so he's offered it to me, but I, I don't know. It's just That's very nice. Away. I would accept that. Yeah, <laughs> with what's coming here. So, okay, so, and, and when did you come to the mountains? I came uh, in the early 80s, um, I was with uh, a lady at that time, whom I'm no longer with. She's in New Zealand now. Mm. But mm. Uh, she um, had fond memories of, of Katoomba. And uh, we arrived in Katoomba and, um, and I stayed, more or less. Uh, yes. And mm. Later on, I met Lynn, whom I'm with at the moment. And so I, I swapped uh, women 
Uh, that doesn't sound very gracious, actually, does it? But, uh, we can edit that out if that's you like. What happened. No, I don't mind. It's the truth. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I'm still good friends with Gillian, who's now in New Zealand. Mm. But um, yes, uh, so early 80s. And then I mm. went away in 1985. And we went to, uh, Lynn and I went to Avoca Beach. Oh, yeah, lovely. And I stayed there, there for a couple of yeah. years. Mm. And uh, got a little bit of that salt and, yeah. uh, and sunshine. Yeah. Mm. But I found down there that the people were waterlogged. Mm -hmm. And uh, they weren't uh, interesting to me in the way that Katoomba people are interesting up here, mm. uh, who have a great variety of interests and a lot of bohemian uh, people, and people who are interested in alternative lifestyles and so on. The people down on the, uh, um, <coughs> the coast there appeared to be mostly interested in the little nippers and uh, that sort of mm. thing, which mm. is fine. Mm. It was good mm. community stuff, but... Mm. It didn't involve me at all. So no. after no. a couple of years, we came back to the mountains. Right. Mm. Okay. And do you have children? No, I don't. Okay. No. I acquired two when I got together with Lynn. Right. And they were only little kids at that time. So I've done the full daddy trip with oh, them. Oh, good. Mm. Uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And, right. uh, and I'm still uh, very close to those kids now. Yeah. Terrific. That's wonderful. It's, it's interesting you say uh, that waterlogged... Um, you know, I, I noticed the northern beaches, it's changed so much. It's, uh, I mean, I'm so glad that the teal got the vote down there, first of all, just purely because of there's never any change for the, what's going on with the Monovale Road, uh, the Spit Bridge. And, but the people seem to be... You, you, if you walk past somebody, you're walking your dog like around Long Reef and you say hello and they look at you like you're, you're a freak. <laughs> it's like, what'd you say? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was talking to your dog. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've, I seem to notice that there is a, the custom up here and the culture is a lot different. Um, and when I first came here, I came out of a marriage and it was a really, uh, you know, rough time for me. And, and, and a, a friend of mine um, and his family put me up and they are a very alternative family, um, alternative family. And... Um, it was just such a, a change to come from my two kids and my family to, to this lifestyle. And I, and I opened it. I, I embraced it, you know, with, with, with both arms. And, um, and from there, I've, I've learned so much as a person um, about the way of life. And, and from, you know, someone I know that I'm quite close to, she's, she's been, you know, a, a very good influence on me and my life with change and where I've needed to make some, some differences as well as some of the friends and people in Bodie that I've met up here. So, yeah, my experience is certainly... I can, I can relate to everything you've just said there, yeah. Mm. It's primarily the, uh, the community that I love about uh, being in the mountains. Mm. And, of course, the different wow. towns in the mountains. There's, mm. what, it's 26 mm. of them or something, mm. and uh, mm. they're, they're different. They're all different. Like mm. Katoomba is vastly different to, say, Glenbrook. Yeah, yes. Um, but uh, it's the community specifically here in Katoomba that I love mm. uh, and that would keep me here as well as the most beautiful environment in the whole world of course you know but <laughs> we tend to take that for granted yeah it's, it's specifically the community mm. Mm. Um, tell us a bit about your artwork what got you into art what were you a, as a young fellow, or was it something that came along later in life? Or? I, I drew ever since I was a kid, and uh, I remember getting my first slate when I was only about four, and that was a thrilling experience, uh, getting that slate. Mm. Um, it's a sort of like a, a little blackboard, um, okay. and, uh, and you draw on it with chalk. Right. And then I started drawing uh, divers who go underwater with their big helmets on. I must have seen a photo of one of those divers, but it meant a, a great deal to me for some reason. And it was an obsessive image, and I used to draw it over and over and over, wow. this, this diver. And then as I got better at that, I, I used to put in uh, sharks and, uh, and a treasure chest half buried in the sand and uh, various other accoutrements that you might, yeah. <laughs> might see if you're a yeah. diver under the water, and fish going past and so on. Uh, mm. That was my first experience of, of drawing. I just um, took it for granted. And, and then when I went to school, I became the, the school artist and I realised that other kids didn't do it. It was strange to me mm. that uh, they didn't have that natural drawing talent, yeah. ability. Yeah. And so it continued. But um, when I was in high school, I, I did uh, art for the leaving certificate. 
uh, at Manly Boys High, that we didn't have an art teacher, so I had to do it by correspondence. I was the only boy in the school doing it right. by correspondence. Um, and at that stage, I was starting to get confused about all the different uh, modern art movements, mm. Impressionism, Expressionism, Surrealism, and so on, all these different yeah, yeah. isms. Yeah. And, uh, and it intellectually confused me as to what you do when you take a brush and you know, do a dab on the canvas. Right. Um, and I thought, unless I can explain this to myself, I, I can't proceed. And, and oh, so, yeah. I really, it stopped my artwork for about... Um, about 15 years after. Wow. Yeah, mm. and, uh, and uh, I was doing other things and so on. Mm. Uh, but uh, then I came back to it and I decided I'm just going to put down what happens when uh, that thing out there, it might be an old weathered hut or something like that, mm. and I come together. Uh, mm. I'm seeing that thing and I'm feeling that thing and I just want to put it down very directly, in, uh, first of all, with Indian ink. So I started doing these Indian ink drawings and gradually I got back into the whole art thing on yeah. that basis that I didn't have to explain it intellectually to myself. Right. And in fact, th that's a, a no-win situation uh, because, you know, it can go on forever. Mm. Um, but uh, just to uh, uh, embrace that spontaneity of just trying to put down how you feel about that thing or that thing in you coming together in, in a moment of uh, a little marriage, yeah. you know, sure. of awareness and, and uh, sharing that with somebody um, that became the basis of my artwork, yeah. I guess. Okay. Mm. What, what a beautiful expression yeah. of being in the present moment yeah. and allowing um, feeling um, and attraction and mutuality to drive an interaction. What a beautiful description of yeah. being present in yeah. that moment. Yeah. Thanks, John. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and a shift, you know, sort of a recognition that to, to get caught up in abstracts or in um, the descriptions of other people's uh, uh, words yeah, to describe yeah. something um, and how yeah. that can uh, restrict cause you contraction. Uh, yeah. You know, can actually sort of overwhelm yeah. your uh, yeah. feeling response, if you like, to something. It, I had a very similar experience at school with things like math. Um, you know, I, I could work out an equation, for example, but I had to then, they told me I had to then work it out their way. That's the way that yeah. I'm like, well, what's the difference? I'm still getting the same result. Um, but, you know, I guess I was a bit like that with a lot of... I was questioned a lot of things at school like that. But it does put you off, you know, if, you, if you're certainly... If your lack of understanding or, or... I don't know if it's even in so much as a lack of understanding as opposed to... Well, it is, isn't it? You know, it, it can be quite deeply frustrating. Well, sometimes it's based on a person being totally genuine about the thing and really trying to puzzle it out and work it out and be clear for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you don't mm -hmm. want to just uh, accept the official explanation of yeah. something. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about maths. So I don't have very much yeah. you know, to do with yeah. <laughs> maths, yeah. but in terms of art... Mm. Uh, yeah, mm. and most of the artists, I mean, uh, they don't read that stuff, you know, that they do their own thing. Mm. That's written by people who are art critics and, and, and writers and so on, who very uh, often after the event, they invent theories and all sorts yeah. of ideas and they postulate. This was happening to uh, Picasso and Braque when they invented uh, cubism. Yes. They did yeah. that rope together uh, for about six years. They didn't know what they were doing, they, they were... Um, following an intuitive sort of um, feeling mm. and, uh, and all sorts of other people explained what they were doing later on. Yeah. I don't know whether Picasso agreed with those explanations or not, yeah. but yeah. they were never convincing anyway, the, mm. the explanations. Mm. It was the art that counted. Mm. Well, I think it was, yeah, and it's authenticity, you know. Yeah. It was yeah. extremely authentic, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like no one else. It was, you know, I just think that that's, yeah, I th yeah, yeah. Hey, just before we go any further, um, and we'll go to a break in about five minutes, but where can we see some of your work? Have you got a website or a, a Facebook page? Or yeah, is, there some, um, is that open? Or, my, yeah. Last night my um, computer blew up. It did some very strange things. So oh, you probably got an email from Bodie. <laughs> I don't know if that caused it, actually, but uh, it may have. Uh, it started to hiss, and then it started to make a, a, a noise like a vacuum cleaner. Are you oh serious? Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it got louder and louder, and I thought, I think it might be about to explode. <laughs> and, and was just sitting there, and Lynn was down, she's down south, and she's coming back today, so I was there by myself with this computer that was threatening me. So, so I picked it up and I took it out in the kitchen and closed the door. I thought you were going to put it out in the rain. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, cool down. <laughs> cool down. 
to leave it there. And then a, an hour later, I thought, it must have died by now. <laughs> and I opened the door, and we're still doing this vacuum cleaner noise. Um, but uh, I, uh, I left it there all night. Yeah. And in the morning, it was, um, it had expired. But then I, I tried to crank it up, and it went perfectly. So <laughs> it regenerated itself. Yeah, yeah. So it just had a fit, you know. So yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it sounded like it had a profound catharsis and made you let go of a whole lot of kind of kind of complicated sort of dialogue and data and re 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 rebirthed itself. So exactly, uh, wow. I think I, it did. Yeah. I think it was doing yeah. primal screaming. Primal scream. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John John Lennon would have approved. <laughs> <laughs> I got this random text last night. Uh, from a mate of mine. He's a real character, right? He, he, I mean, he, he fit right in here, I can tell you right now. He, he sends me this text last night, right? And it's, a, and it's a video and it says, hey, bro, the computer has been doing this for almost 11 hours. That, that's not right, is it, right? And it's just like this screen that it's got a round thing going round and round saying restoring, right? And I said... Yeah, nah, yeah, 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 it's not good, bro. I mean, I don't even own a computer, but I don't like the look of that. <laughs> he sent me this, right? And he, he goes, and then he goes, oh, beep, dude, that was supposed to go to my, my flare mate, <laughs> my flatmate. And, uh, and he, goes, he goes, oh, it's, my phone's broken as well now. It's, bloody thing has got COVID. <laughs> so it's spread from his computer to his phone. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah, I mean, who can work him out? I, I just, you know, anyway, that was a good chuckle. All right, we might just uh, just, uh, just go to a few of our endorsements uh, for a second here. And um, we'll be back uh, shortly with the Men's Mental Health Show and our guest, uh, John Ellison. This is the Men's Mental Health Show on RBM 89.1 FM, streaming live on www.rbm.org.au. Damn right it is. Welcome back to the Men's Mental Health Show. Your host here, uh, along with my co-host, uh, Bradley Spillane and uh, Bodie Marsden. Our guest today is John Ellison, uh, local artist, character, and uh, we're having a good time so far this morning. But uh, just a quick mention, of course, to, to Craig Beachy from uh, All Manufacturing Personnel, Pritchard Limited, uh, manufacturing in the labour industry. Get hold of Craig on 0416-700-870. And, of course... Uh, Bodie, uh, who's a, a psychotherapist. Uh, Bodie's uh, located Wentworth Falls. Um, I think Bodie does uh, Skype uh, to our overseas listeners and abroad or, or outside of the area. Uh, you can get hold of Bodie on 0424-416-969. And Dale, my good mate down there at Mounties Group. So, we, we, yeah, where were we? We are talking a bit, a bit about, uh, I guess, y your love for art and how you, you got into art and, and what sort of may have put you off, I guess, um, with, with the, the titles surrounding it and, and, and the frustration in that. And I can certainly relate to that. I'm sure Bodie can as well. But, and, and, and then you, you, you sort of moved. Where did you then take that work to? When did you realise, OK, well, this is something that perhaps I can make a living from or... Um, or I can help others. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, primarily I, I wanted to uh, make a living because people are supposed to make a living. Uh, I've been told by my father that uh, you're supposed to make a living, and uh, uh, so uh, that was in my mind. But uh, mostly I was interested in trying to do something that was uh, a form of self-expression for myself. And, uh, and if I could also make uh, some money out of it, then that was a, a bonus as well. Yeah. Um, so um, I started uh, putting my work in uh, local exhibitions and so on and, uh, and trying to get it just noticed. And, and then I approached a couple of galleries and um, I never liked doing that particularly. It was a little bit like begging, but um, just through a, a few little accidents, uh, I managed to get into uh, some local galleries and then they, the paintings began to sell and it sort of it grew. It snowballed. And, um, Amazing how it just comes together, isn't it? How yeah. things are meant to happen, they do. I was yeah. never very good at promoting my own work. I mm. could, um, to a degree, sell other uh, things and other people's work. Uh, I could, if, uh, if I believed in it, I could get enthusiastic about it and talk about it, but I was always paralysed when I was trying to talk about my own, so it had mm. to just stand there on its own merits, and, uh, and then eventually, you know, I, I think uh, it got noticed somewhat. Mm. And, and uh, you know, so about the last, uh, 
I don't know how many years, but 30, 30 years or something, I've had a regular annual exhibition right. and, uh, and have sold uh, my work each time and so on. Where, so where, where, where do you hold your exhibition? At, at the moment, uh, at the Nolan Gallery in Lovell Street, and uh, that is owned by my sister, I'm uh, proud to say. And Robin is uh, Robin Nolan, and along with uh, Terry Nolan, her husband, uh, she's a fine artist in her own right. Is she so really? As yeah, well. yeah. And she came to it late in life, and uh, she was um, uh, before that a ceramicist. And she was oh creep right. creeping up on yeah. it. She was creeping up on it. She oh used to do lovely brush designs on the side of her pots mm. and so on. And then she got the desire to um, paint. Right. And uh, yeah, and so uh, she got into it. And now she's a, uh, a remarkable artist, actually. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Any uh, other brothers or sisters? Are they into art as well? Um, I, I've had uh, three sisters, and uh, two of them have died, and they're younger sisters. Two oh, of them have died. Yeah. Robin and I are the eldest, and uh, we're going yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah. The question I'm interested in, uh, John, is how does art or, or men and women's and children's mental health mm. and the place that art um, uh, has not only consolation, but also growing as sort of a, a, a thriving. Sorry, it'd be like similar to like, you know, surfing is, you know, is your art, is your creation of, of expressing yourself out in the water. That certainly was when I was a young kid. That was my way as a teenager of expressing myself was through my surfing. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think uh, I gather what you're getting at there, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Bodhi. Um, this is my own private view about this. I, I believe that every person is born creative. I think all children are creative. I think it's a natural part of uh, our inheritance and our, mm. our biology. Mm. And uh, I don't think that our society that children are born into um, um, accommodates that very well at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a conflict there immediately and, uh, and very often a, a discouragement. Any uh, child such as myself when I was young, who said, uh, oh, well, like, I'd like to be an artist when I grow up, is immediately discouraged by mm. the mm. father, the mother, all the relatives and so on. And they say, no, you do that as a hobby. Uh, that's uh, not something you can be an artist. Mm. Um, and uh, there's very good reasons for telling a child that too, mm. because mm. Uh, if you do try to become an artist, it's going to be a financial struggle. Mm. And, and that's uh, simply a fact. Um, but a, a kid doesn't care about that. Uh, the kid's uh, full of the, his or her own enthusiasm. They mm. want to do something, and it wants to be expressed. Um, we lose that creativity. I mean, children naturally, they, they draw, they paint. They're not held back by any sort of artistic theories. Mm. They're totally mm. audacious. If you say, I want you to draw the local fire station, they'll say, right, okay, and they hop straight into it. Mm. Whereas if you say that to a class of adults, they say, oh, where's the photo? Yeah. Or Which fire station? Yeah, <laughs> and well, that's yeah. right. Total paralysis. I yeah. mean, like, I, I, I can't do it sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But a child is not held up. They, they just do it um, because they're working from some internal thing yeah. and, and they don't care. I mean, <laughs> they don't care about the results. Yeah. They're not care, caring about being judged. Mm. Uh, but the parents start putting their pictures up on the uh, on the fridge and, uh, and skiting about them, and there's a whole lot of competitive stuff yeah. starts to happen. And at about the age of 10 or 11, that's when most people give up drawing and painting. They mm. stop. Mm. And, of course, they can't do the realistic thing yeah. and uh, the realistic test, whereas this boy at this nest, next desk, he can actually draw his fighter bombers and make them look realistic and I can't, so you stop doing art. Mm, mm. And uh, most people stop doing that. And I think it's uh, the same for other things. So kids, they play with words. They've got this incredible imagination. Mm. But imagination itself is discouraged, I think, in yeah, our society. Yeah. We talk a lot about imagination and that sort of thing, but I think it is actively discouraged and you're told to uh, don't have your head in the clouds, keep your eye on the ball, you know, and make sure you're concentrating on the, on the mm. real things mm. and so on mm. until imagination itself, which is the most uh, beautiful thing that human beings have, really, mm. Mm. Um, is uh, put on one side and bec people become suspicious of their own imaginations. Mm. 
There's another element to that too, but I won't rattle on about that too much with imagination. Um, people are ashamed of their imaginations very often, but that's another thing as well. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I mean, thank you, John. What, what that prompts me, um, you know, is that when I'm working with uh, people um, um, in their 50s or 60s and there's a crisis um, and the world that, that, as I've known it and have participated in it has, has become arid, um, uh, it's lost its meaning um, and they have what we often refer to as a, a midlife crisis um, but I, I often I've, I've learned to understand the midlife crisis as an opportunity mm. or, and as a form of renewal um, mm. that the old um, adaptation to life has become mm. um, um, too one dimensional and is a, is a new spark of creativity and uh, what I often notice is what people are starting to say to me is that they want to retrieve two things their creative aspect with, within themselves and how can they imaginatively describe and begin to sit in their creativity? Um, and I just mm. think that's so interesting. And if, and if I think back to, um, um, you know, the, what is the hallmark of humanity? It is, as you say, cr um, being creative, mm. whether it's in dance um, or in painting or writing, um, or um, hysterical laughter, wha however one expresses oneself, um, you, you know, that um, isn't... It, it, our mental health seems to be um, powerfully connected to imaginative faculties and creativity. Mm. Mm. And I was interested in watching a program on the ABC last week and it was p of people who were severely depressed, thinking suicidal... And um, the program is around the use of art, um, yeah. art making, or or, or <coughs> making making image um, that describes something of who they are. Mm. Um, and um, as the program is being sort of uh, being shown on the TV, people are describing uh, a sense of optimism returning to their experience of themselves by reconnecting to um, making marks, um, whether it's on the canvas or a piece of clay um, or, or on a piece of timber or on some cloth. And, I, and it, it just reminds me that um, our faculty for creating things um, um, is crucial to a recovery of well-being. Mm, mm. Um, and that we, we somehow rather got to steal... Um, a bit like stealing uh, Prometheus having to steal fire from, um, from, from one of the gods, that we have to steal back um, an innate ability mm. for wellness um, in our creativity, in the doing of something. So uh, yeah, um, feel that very strongly. And, I, and I, this is also a shout-out to art therapy as a modality for enabling people not to actually rely just on words to describe something, because often mm. words are slippery and we're not sure what words we can, in fact, even use. Yeah. But making marks is kind of, um, you know, with the right context and there's no loading of judgment on it or even saying, well, that looks fantastic or, oh, gee, you could have done that differently. But making marks is kind of a, um, a visceral part of our experiencing and, um, and it's a bridge by which... Um, we can encounter our world. And I think that's incredibly important for mental well-being, um, um, that we can leave marks on our world and on our relationships mm. uh, as we are marked back in return. Yeah, I, I think they're two terrific points. And, and for me, hearing you both speak like this, it, it, it draws a lot of uh, attention to, to some of the things I guess I've done. And if I, if I go to what you were saying, first of all, John, and you look at a child's imagination and, and their creativity and, and their, there's, no response, there's no negativity, really. It's just, let's do, this is, let's do, let's create. Let's, and it's not until that child is uh, discouraged or judged uh, on, on their work that they then start to uh, you know, question their own self-belief and I think that happens all through life you know I've certainly experienced it but then it becomes contagious if you like and, that, and likely if you start to judge someone or they become negative they, that person then becomes also and, and, and passes it on I've, I've got a 15 year old son and I, I sometimes get off the phone from him and I 
and I go back and I analyse all the things that I have said, and then I'll write a text and say, oh, mate, sorry about that. I, I meant, you know, because you've been getting beaten 52 nil. I said, you know, what, are the, what did you take the bell out of the ball, you know? <laughs> and, and I went, oh, Jesus bloody Christ, that's, I shouldn't have said that. He'll, he'll think he's blind like the rest of his teammates. <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you know, it just compounds, though, but you know what I mean? And I think that that's right. But if, with art, and I think I go back to the first point that you made after hearing John's opening mm. um, speech was the fact that, you know, art... Be it, and, and this can be in music and it can be of any form of art, but if, if you can get into that present moment, if you can be there in that time, then you, you learn a lot more about yourself, first of all. The, you forget about all the worries, all this negativity that's going on, but it's an incredibly hard thing to do and I'd imagine it's, it's getting harder as I go you know, on in life. But yeah, two very good points, gentlemen. You said something very interesting, uh, that you forget about your um, worries or anxieties yeah. and you become absorbed um, yeah, in, in, in the activity. Mm. Um, and that's that respite from the constant self-talk mm. that is undermining your, uh, uh, your natural sort of kind of enthusiasms. Yeah? Yeah. So um, I think yeah. that's uh, you know, an important um, point that you actually visit there. Mm. Um, John, I mean, I'm really interested in, in um, you know, beautiful description about children um, and their innate creativity and that sort of stuff. Um, if you had some, if you were given uh, um, another role to encourage um, art and thinking about well-being, what what would you be tempted to, you know, let uh, to? Um, uh, how would you start to consider that, or or what would you? Wh- what, what are, the, are, the, are the encouraging words that you would like to offer um, in the light of um, what we've just been talking are about? We're talking about community well-being? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, um, Throwing it out there, yeah. You know, we're talking about the Blue Mountains. We're talking yeah. about let's focus on our own community. Um, mm. um, wh- what is it to make to, uh, for us to engage? If you had a, uh, um, a, the opportunity, what, what would you be throwing out? What ideas would you be chucking out, John? When I was there in council, I was the, the cultural development officer. That's the resounding title that I was going under. So I, my job was to uh, develop culture. And uh, it brought up the question, of course, what is culture? Mm. And uh, so uh, I had to think about that. Mm. Um, and uh, I think uh, I came up with the idea that it was the, uh, something about uh, the art of creative living or living in a satisfying way or something like that um, mm-hmm. was a, it's a broad idea of, of culture um, but I, I wrote uh, what I call the, the cultural plan uh, through the Blue Mountains and uh, one of the ideas in that cultural plan was that the Blue Mountains should uh, have the self image if you like uh, of a city of the arts Right, right. Uh, and uh, at the time uh, when I first came into council there was Ralph Williams the, the mayor and his proudest achievement, he said, was getting a, a McDonald's hamburger uh, store down there in, in Blacksland. And I thought, that's not a very good mindset for the mm. Blue Mountains, mm. the most beautiful area in the world. Mm. We should be aspiring to something far grander than that. Mm. And if it was a city of the arts, in the broadest sense of, of culture that I was thinking about, then that would be a wonderful thing to aim at. And so the whole of the cultural plan was predicated on the idea that uh, that's what we should actually be aiming at. Yeah. But to implement something like that, you need, uh, in council, that is, um, who have a lot of influence on what happens in, in mm. everywhere, uh, you need the CEO or the person in charge, the boss, mm. uh, to be on board with that whole ethos, that idea. Yeah. But most of the people in the council at the time when I was there were rather bewildered by uh, what I was on about and what yeah. I was saying and yeah. what I was writing. Mm. And uh, so uh, I don't think the City of the Arts really went as far as it could have gone. We did get the, uh, the first um, designation when the, when the Labor government came in. Uh, Bob Cars in 1996 came in. Bob Debus was always uh, behind me promoting these ideas, actually. Um, he was a great help. Mm. Uh, we became the, the inaugural City of the Arts in 1996, the Blue Mountains. It's something that's almost forgotten now. Right, right. 
Um, but uh, a lot of the artists themselves were cynical about it and uh, because they thought it meant that we were already the city of the arts. It wasn't that we were already a city of the arts. It was a, an aim, something to aspire mm. for, mm. something that should guide everything in council, that council itself should be doing everything with an eye to beauty, for instance, you yeah. know, in yep. the different towns and so on. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that was uh, uh, part of the cultural plan. But coming back to your question, Bodie, mm. uh, Really, I mean, I, I'm very isolated in individual these days, and I just do my artwork and, um, and I talk to my friends and so on. But mm. uh, I figure, you know, that uh, just that has a bit of a ripple effect mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, what's going on. Um, but I think this idea, a lot of the things that happen in our world, I think you're, you're aware of this, they don't seem to have any reason or any cause. They suddenly just happen, like the election. Yes, mm. yes. Who mm. predicted it? Who yeah. would have predicted it? Mm. Uh, like in the psyche of Australia, suddenly there's been a rebalancing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. if I'd been more attentive, maybe I would have seen the signs, but I, I'm as shocked as anybody yeah. else. Yeah. It's the first time ever that one, one in three Australians have voted for a winning party. One in three Australians. Have, you know, so the win winning parties only had one in three people vote That's for right. They've both been downgraded, mm. and then there's this huge That's number of women have come in who are mm. really savvy. Mm. They're, they're meaning business. <laughs> mm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they're naive in any sense whatsoever, and uh, and um, it's it's a new mindset mm. and mm. a more optimistic one, mm. because you can become very very doleful and uh, negative if you look at the polit political landscape and you think the whole system is broken. Mm. Uh, mm. There's no alternative. Um, look at the uh, you know the people in charge there. Well, you know we can dis disperse them, but then the 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 other party um, they don't offer any hope either. So mm. Mm. you feel as though the system is broken. But now I don't feel as though the system is broken. Mm. I feel as though Australia could take the lead in in showing the world. It's what primarily the best result for democracy, isn't it? It's the best isn't one it, we could it? imagine, I think. It's, it's yeah. th it is, isn't it? You know, I mean, from the area where, where I'm from, Zali Stegall, of course, was the first of the Teal independents to take out, and of all people, Tony Abbott. But you ask anybody in the Northern Beaches, and you'd surely know this, that, you know, they've just put in 56,000 homes down in the Warrywood Valley, and on top of all the homes towards Palm Beach and upwards of Narrabeen, who exit there to go into the city or inner west, You've got a single road, single lane in Monobar. I mean, it's just, it's insane. And then, of course, you've got the spit bridge at the other end, which breaks down. <laughs> and, of course, you know, the Liberals, they're never going to lose a seat, so they thought. So they don't ever do anything. Labor never gets in. So when, and if they do get in, they don't put any attention down towards the Northern Beaches because they know they're never going to get the vote. And, 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 but now it's, it's terrific. It's the best result for, for, for democracy, as I said. Yeah. You know, there's some sad results, these, um, you know, and, and there's some terrific, you know, uh, outcomes. But, uh, I don't think so. we've caught up with it yet. Uh, no. I, so I think we're I all mean, just... I agree with that, John. We're absor absorbing it all, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah we are. And I, and I think, you know, that emphatic uh, female um, uh, awareness that the old patriarchal voice if you mm. like, of um, the Liberal Nat um, coalition mm. um, no longer speaks uh, to them uh, if it ever has, mm. but um, and they've emphatically rejected mm. um, that, uh, uh, that representation yeah. um, because really the representation has become only speaking to vested interests. Mm. It, mm. it has no longer spoken to the, 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 you know, the broad coalition that makes up Australian people. Mm. And I think that's the profound message that's, that, that's coming through here. So we are looking for, um, uh, from Anthony Albanese, mm. um, uh, an, a, an ability to speak to the whole country. And I mean, I was interested in his acceptance speech and he said, uh, um, I, those who may not have voted for me, for me yes. but I will be working for you. You know, that c inclusivity, that, that sense of the bigger picture rather than talking only to vested interests. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. that, you know, the people have become up to me and say, I'm feeling so relieved. Mm. You know, I'm so glad that the, of the electoral result, mm. um, you know, that we're now rid of 
um, such a narrow frame of reference mm. about what constitutes a way of living in, in Australia. Um, but there's another, it's a bit like Gough Whitlam, he, at three years he just transformed yeah. um, uh, what it was to be an Australian, um, particularly speaking to young people, um, and um, we never recovered where there was a sudden lurch forward and you know, picking up on what you're saying, John, sometimes things happen yeah. um, and uh, it, it blindsides us because we've been, uh, um, we haven't, we've we failed to trust um, the corrective that exists within all our hearts mm. Um, mm. and then spontaneously actually sort of kind of coalesces. Mm. So uh, what an interesting time um, we have. And then thinking about, for me, thinking about um, Anthony Al Albanese saying, you know, the statement from the heart, uh, from Uluru, yeah. um, is so interesting, isn't it? Because it, it's, it's a statement written by Aboriginal people, but it's also from the heart. And they are powerful metaphors for a new beginning. Um, and, and I'm so looking forward to um, how we, how we um, come to uh, mm. embrace that. Um, and, you know, I think of the Aboriginal people as enormously artistic I oh. mean, uh, in dance, um, in oratory, in, uh, in painting, um, in expression, in, yeah. in, in spiritual yeah. understandings yeah. of the cosmos. Um, um, it, there's a rich feeling um, history that we have not really fully, um, well, I don't think we even understand. You know, mm. we're, we're beginning to understand something. But it's a new way of being. Um, yeah. and, um, I'm, from a mental health point of view, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that they can breathe more deeply yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that there's some sort of future. Yeah. I, sorry, John. I, I, and I, I love how you, you opened that up about uh, from the heart that the speech, it, and, and I'm big on vulnerability, as you know, and, and as are you, but it reminded me Sorry, to, uh, of Jacinta Ardern, her when when Jacinta was first uh, elected as prime minister, just the, her passion and the fact that when 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 Alvo got out there and he said, "I, I, I'm, I, I don't care. I'm, I want to work with all parties." Mm -hmm. You know, if we remember in the past, is I won't do a deal with the Greens. I won't do a deal with the Independents. I won't do. You know, what's what's that doing? You know, like, but to open yourself up and to, to show that vulnerability and to do that with the pressures that he has, you know, from those people, those faceless men or women that they have in the background of their parties, I thought it was exceptional. I really did. I also I, think he's shrewd enough to realise that he's got no choice. He's got to do what <laughs> these, yeah, yeah, these yeah. people want of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's a bit of that yes. too, but, um, yeah. I have yeah, a slight worry that we place too much um, hope of our own hope for a better life upon these people mm. and they're only human beings well they're caught, caught up in a system which is a pretty rigid system mm. and uh, they can only do what they, what they can within those confines mm. and uh, when Gough came in for instance it did change the whole psychic climate of, of Australia and people felt more buoyant, they felt more creative everyone felt happier mm. Mm. Uh, there was an optimism in the air that wasn't there before Mm. And I think the same thing is going to happen now. There's going to be an optimism in the air mm. uh, that people will be able to, as Bodhi says, to breathe more deeply. Mm. And, uh, but there's a slight danger. We, we put all our hopes onto these people and we feel as though our uh, elbow's there now. <laughs> it yeah. will all go well. It will go well. The world's, <laughs> yes. the world's right, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. We don't need to do anything much. Yeah. We can sit back and, <laughs> and, and watch it happen, you know. <laughs> oh, the David's for as long as what the Liberals were in. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Um, yeah, so, uh, okay. Um, I think this is a really good session, gents. I, I, I like the fact that we're expressing our creativity. We're, we're starting to show some vulnerability, but also, too, to being able to sit in the moment and, and, and to, to do with, you know, some of those things that we, we struggle with as men in life is that, you know, we, we struggle to be able to express ourselves openly. We struggle to be able to um, sit in the moment, sponge, absorb listen we're not as good a listeners i don't think as a whole as as the opposite sex the more dominant sex women in in my opinion and um i, I think there's a lot to be said for what we've said so far on, on the show um you know it's um 
Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. You know, right. thinking about um, men and young men, um, it, 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 women are, uh, I, I was going to say flexing their muscles, but I don't think they're doing that either. That's just male talk. Yeah. I think what they're doing is actually taking ownership of, um, the, uh, of the skill that they've learnt um, and of the contribution they want to make um, to the world um, and um, are stepping increasingly into um, here we are um, and they're inviting yeah. us to actually sort of step into a collaborative model mm. um, and I think that's an exciting sort of invitation. Now if we, if we frame it as we've been taken over by women um, we're, we're going to get defensive um, and we're going to start uh, marching in the streets and wearing balaclavas and all that sort of you know, <laughs> strange male beh defensive behaviour. Yeah. Really, I mean, uh, that's not good for your mental health, gentlemen. Uh, what, <laughs> what we want to do is become collaborative um, and, and join in the conversation. I think it would be a good thing. We could do what John then said and said, well, we could sit back and just enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that too. But, you know, our, our mental health is, is not in becoming caught up in some um, defensive sort of kind of posture um, or, um, you know, male, white male rights being eroded by, you know, this burgeoning sort of multicultural journey <laughs> that we're on. Um, but it's to step into the conversation. And, um, you know, I, I'm constantly aware that women want us to show up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... It, Guys, this is good for your. This is good for our mental health. Being mm. defensive is actually not good for your mental health. It, what, what it does is dries up a capacity for empathy and compassion and for making a contribution. So step away from a defensive posture and step into an open-hearted posture. And let's see what words come out of that um, uh, that space that we can hold on to. Mm. And so that's what I'm inviting men who are listening. Um, open heart. Mm. Mm. Uh, drop the uh, uh, the armory. You know the armoring, as as Willem Reichs right, rightfully said, men are so defended um, against new ideas and new possibilities, um, and so we've got to step away from our armoring and actually explore the options and the possibilities that come out of a collaborative approach. And I can't help but feel that um, we are on the cusp of a burgeoning opening. Um, you know, as heart opening to um, to working together. Because that's really the most sensible option I think that we uh, that we can have, mm. um, and 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 I know when I f when I feel that what I feel is is optimism and I feel a joy that arises in me, and I'm not the only one to feel that. You know, when 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 there's space for all of us, yeah, not just for the narrow sectional vested interests yeah. that um, uh, uh, that the uh, nats and libs seem to only kind of talk to. Mm. Um, so there, there is a new day, and I take John's mm. concern that if we wrap up and go back to our, um, our lunches and, um, you know, you know uh, uh, prior interests and say, well, our elbow will get on with the job, um, yeah, be, <laughs> beware of that one too. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, I think we're going to keep I, showing up. I, I, well, I, I, and absolutely. And I think that the, this result brings one thing mainly for mine, and that is accountability. Um, you know, I, I think, really think that, that all parties uh, are particularly are going to need to front up and, and show accountability um, more so than what's happened. I just th think there's just been too much of a backward step. This is all easy going. Well, it, no, we'll cruise this one. You know what I mean? And I, and I, I think it's terrific. You know, if you've got to have someone that has to show some accountability, um, you know, well, we're going to see some good results. Pretty exciting. And I think we have to stand with uh, um, uh, the voices that are showing up increasingly um, and listen powerfully um, and, uh, and address the issues. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Woody, uh, from Christchurch, and mm. uh, he said... G'day, Woody. Know, G'day, Woody. But he's, he's saying the ex existential crisis facing the world um, is the Sustained overheating it. of the planet yeah. um, and um, the threats that that poses... And, um, you know, if, if we drop the ball on that, um, uh, we're, we're, uh, well, we're, we're going to get punished, if you like. Um, and that, um, we have to mobilise. He was saying, when Pearl Harbour, um, when the bomb dropped on Pearl Harbour um, and the ships sunk, 
Um, you know, within six months, uh, America was popping out one frigate a, a week uh, coming over the, uh, the shipping lines in Pennsylvania. He said, when, when the world is focused on dealing with a, a, a problem, um, we have an astonishing capacity to, um, to, 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 uh, to come up with the right answers. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of optimism that we, that we need to, um, and focus that we need to have mm -hmm. in order to actually say, we are in an existential moment, um, and um, we're either going to come to the party or we're going to actually sit up sniping on the edges. Mm. So um, choose your positions, gentlemen. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Ben's Mental Health Show. Uh, it's uh, Brad Spillane here. Uh, just a reminder, we're brought to you by Mounties Group, my good mate Dale Hunt down there. Uh, also, too, to Gray, uh, Craig Beachy from um, All Manufacturing Personnel Proprietary Limited. Uh, I'll put up all Craig's details and uh, all manufacturing's details on our uh, website or the Facebook page. Having a bit of trouble getting it through to Facebook page. Um, it's just a matter of uh, this password issue I'm having. But, of course, you can listen to uh, the show, uh, of course, through majority, if not all, the podcast platforms uh, that Men's Mental Health Show is, is across. And uh, things like Apple, things like Google, uh, Pod Spotify, um, several of them. I think, um, yeah, there's at least 20, 21 or so of them that uh, you can have a listen of this through to. And, and you can pass that on to, to this if there's anything in this show you think anyone in your friends or family or outer circle would like to uh, uh, benefit from. Um, and from our terrific guest today, John Ellison. Uh, Boats, uh, talk to me, mate. What's, you've got a poem there that yeah. we were just talking about. Um, I've got a poem from Mary Oliver. And... Um um, what she's trying to sort of kind of explore in the poem, I think, um, and who knows what was truly in, Mar in Mary's mind. Um, um, but I got this poem sent to me by um, a, a, a woman who's in her late 50s. She's a, a nurse um, and had a realisation that she um, was caught up in her history um, and didn't really have her own voice. Um, and she's started to uh, understand that she needs to step away from the acquisition of a history um, yeah. and talk from her own understandings and her own intuitions and her own imaginative and creative faculties. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So she sent me the poem. So I'd like to read it. Um, well. My mother was the blue wisteria. My mother was the mossy stream out behind the house. My mother, alas, alas, did not always love her life. Heavier than iron it was as she carried it in her arms from room to room. Oh, unforgettable. I bury her in a box in the earth and turn away. My father was a demon of frustrated dreams, was a breaker of trust, was a poor thin boy with bad luck. He followed God, there'd be no one else he could talk to. He swaggered before God, there'd be no one else who would listen. Listen, this was his life, I bury it in the earth, I sweep the closets, I leave the house. I mention them now, I will not mention them again. It is not lack of love, nor lack of sorrow, but the iron thing they carried, I will not carry. Mm -hmm. I give them one, two, three, four, the kiss of courtesy, of sweet thanks, of anger, of good luck in the deep earth. May they sleep well, may they soften. But I will not give them the kiss of complicity. I will not give them the responsibility for my life. Mm. Mm. Yeah. She's a lot in that, isn't it? <laughs> How much? It's, but I think it's, it's heavy in, in it speaks many the, parts. Uh, yeah. It speaks to, um, you, you know, w women's emergence, but right. it also speaks to all of us, men too, oh, yeah. um, and the imprints of mum and dad and siblings yeah. and also the uh, responsibility of becoming oh, ourselves yeah. um, in a way that's tender but is also, in, um, you know, creative and imaginative. Mm. Mm. And it's... And it's and it's co-participative. It speaks to all of us. Yeah. You know, I mean, though, these are things that we've been talking about with the recent election yeah. result. Yeah. That this is the profound invitation 
Um, yeah. And um, it is not banishing our history, yeah. uh, but is recognizing the, li the, the limitation or the narrowness mm. of vision mm. um, that a lot of our, uh, our early upbringing had. Um, yeah. And that we, you know, we've been asked to step away from that limited vision into a broader uh, understanding of what it is to be human, what yeah. it is to be sentient. And there is such a profound opportunity and yeah. invitation there. So um, I, I wanted to put that poem out. And yeah. listening to this uh, woman client of mine um, um, is a representative story of so much of a yearning um, to become more fuller and more, thrived, uh, more thriving in one's existence. And, um, and that belongs to all of us. Yeah. And I think Mary's poem reads to that. And she's saying that um, I will not give them the responsibility for my life. That's my work. Yeah. That's my yeah, becoming. Yeah, we'll not pa pass it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I think that's interesting. It, it, it brings me to sort of, you know, I meet uh, people from all walks of life, but particularly have being up at my local town where I live in Lawson, I, I chat to some people and they ask me what I do and I tell them I get, I'm, I'm in with the Men's Mental Health Show and we do a podcast together and, oh, that's interesting, you know, and, I, and, and you know, I had this chap, he would have been, I think he was 84, he says, you know, I, I find it very difficult to get motivated sometimes to get, and I think this show today particularly is extremely beneficial to, to men and women um, that perhaps become, as you just said, Bodhi, narrow-minded, or their vision becomes shrunk, it, yeah. shrunken. And, and they forget about the other beauties in life of being creative. And, and, and John, the way that you have put it, how creation or expression in its simplicity today, I think it's exceptional to, to people from all ages that this can help get you out of that darkness or that, that black dog you might be fighting or that narrowness of your vision and be creative, not just through putting, uh, you know, ink to paper. You could do it through your gardening. You could do it through, through all of that type of stuff. It's, oh. it's remarkable. Yes. <clears throat> I think it's, um, it may be the only real therapy, I think, um, to uh, find mm. means of expressing yourself... Uh, and when I say expressing yourself, I mean in a deep way. Uh, I don't just mean sort of like goofing off or, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. or cracking your missus over the head with a beer bottle if you're feeling cranky. Or that, that, that's yeah. a form of self-expression, but probably not a very you know, fruitful... I, I, I go with kicking the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean in a, in a deep way to ex find uh, some means of expressing that and... Uh, it takes you out into the world too. Mm, mm. I'm not a great gardener, but I, I know people love to make that contact with the just the natural with environment. The earth. Yeah. yeah, with yeah. the earth and so on. And it's therapeutic for them. Uh, and uh, anything that takes you out, make contact. Um, a lot of my artwork is just based on on looking at a single object and and, and really uh, being with it, yeah. as it were, and then trying to put down. As I said, yeah. what happens between me and it? Yeah. Uh, so that that's, and I get my students actually uh, to do a, an exercise where they're not looking at what they're drawing; they're just looking at the object, and uh, and they, yeah. they do that and they draw all over the table, and uh, of course they can't see what they're drawing on the on the paper. Yeah. It's blind contour drawing, it's called, but they're really in touch with that object, and they suddenly see it for the first time. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. They suddenly oh. see it. And, and it gives them a, um, a, a thrill. And as soon as you attend to something, the interest value of that thing starts to emerge. Uh, even looking out the back window, if you just sit there, looking out the back and become attentive to it, uh, then the interest that's there suddenly starts to emerge and you're making contact with the, the world in a, in a new nourishing way, mm. yeah. just by being in contact. Bloody good, eh? I want to be back next week, <laughs> and I'm bloody serious about that. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, if you've got a, if you've got, a, if there's a spot next week. I'd love to have you back and have John Ellison part two, because I think there's so much more that we can suck out of this bloke <laughs> and put in our sponge 
and walk that's, away and say, thanks very much. I've given you nothing, but I'm taking it all. You know? and, 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 and he's that, he's that type of guy, isn't he? Oh, but we have to, we have to bring, uh, bring something back uh, of John to Lynn. <laughs> we can't, we can't well, suck him totally get might have something to say about that. We'll get it back in a month or so, whenever it suits. Certainly sounds but, exciting yeah, to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now that, that's a good example of imagination. <laughs> there, there, I, no, I wasn't going to go there. I wasn't going to go there. I wasn't going to talk about the table. Um, anyway, it's um, uh, John, John Ellison. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Brett. It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure and an honour to have you here today. I've really, for, for me, I've learned so much, mate. And 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 I'm I'm, I'm going to walk away from the show today, a better man. I know that. And boats always, mate. It's no terrific. Worries. Yeah. Good on you. All right, we're back next week as we are every week at 11am uh, on RBM 89.1. It's the Men's Mental Health Show. Uh, if you want to get hold of Bodie, of course you can do. 0424 416 969. 0424 416 969. I think if you want to get in touch with John, I, I noticed that he had a Facebook page. Um, perhaps have a, a look through that. Um, it's John Ellison, E-L-L-I-S-O-N. Um, I'm sure you can probably send him a message if you'd like to say anything to him about today or you can send that message to, to us and we will certainly pass that on. That's Men's Mental Health Show on Facebook or Men's Mental Health Show at gmail.com um, and, uh, of course, uh, Brad underscore Spillane at yahoo.com.au. Back next week at 11am. All the best. Thanks, folks.